I, w- when I was asked if I would preach this morning, um, I, I was terrified um, because I've got out the habit uh, to a live audience, you know, sitting in my chair at home, like Val Dunican is quite okay, but, but with a live audience and everything, I, I don't know if you've noticed the pattern so far today, what is the theme? Response. You were asked right at the beginning to respond. Pete, uh, Paul has been asking you to respond in worship. Uh, I'm going to continue the theme because I think today is a day of response. We, we've been quiet too long. We, we've been cut down too, too often. We, we've, we've, we, we've retreated. Now is the time for a response. So for you this morning, please respond as I, I speak. So I'll give you plenty of opportunity to respond. Well, when I responded to the call to preach, I said to the Lord, Lord, help me. Uh, find me something that, you know, just drop it into my spirit, Lord. And he did. And I woke up one morning and I had these words uh, in my head. In fact, it became one of those where I think of as an earworm. You know, it, it gets in. And it kind of burrows into your brain. And the more you think about it, the more it goes around. And it's these words. And I'm hoping that that you get the earworm this morning. He who wins souls is wise. I want you to say it with me, the first response. He who wins souls is wise. You've got out the habit. You've got to, come on, a bit louder. He who wins souls is wise. Now, I haven't got much time to actually go into it all this morning, but you could immediately say to me, but that's Old Testament. It can't mean what you think it means. And I've got to admit this morning that as far as the Jews are concerned, that they have no kind of idea of evangelism. You're born a Jew. In fact, they might say to you, why would anybody else in the world want to be a Jew? We are persecuted. Yes, we are God's chosen people. But why would you want to be? And even if you did want to be, you've got to be born a Jew. So you'll never have a couple of Jewish guys coming to your door and knocking on the door. It's no, not like the, the JWs. The JEWs won't come knocking on your door. Because as far as they're concerned, they are the chosen people. But that's, that's for them, not for us. So in this particular line that we've said this morning, who wins souls is wise and that bottle of water is too far away. He who wins souls is wise. Can it really mean what we would think of as winning souls? Well, I'm not really bothered this morning whether or not the writer of the Proverbs, because it's a proverb, so it might be one of Solomon's, but I don't really know whether he understood it in the way that we would understand it. But you see, I'm not bothered either that Isaiah, when prophesying one day, said these wonderful words, that God is enthroned on the, what is the words? Let me get it right this morning as I say it. God sits upon the circle 
of the earth. Well, does that mean that he understood that it's a globe? Well, it gets more incredible. If you read it in the Catholic Bible, it says this, it is he that sitteth upon the globe of the earth. Did Isaiah understand what he was saying? Well, actually, this morning, I'm not bothered whether Isaiah understood. I know that the, the, the one who threw the stars into space, the one who we adore this morning, God above, knew exactly what he was talking about. And I'm not bothered about whether you understand it or Isaiah understood it. I am glad that God, this morning, knows exactly what's in his word. And he put it there for you and I. So when the writer says, he who wins souls is wise, I think he got it right. And actually, it's been one of those things that all my life, since I became a Christian when I was six years old, that I have wanted to do is win people for Jesus. In fact, shall I tell you something? I've actually got a little clock that's counting down in my brain. Not on this one, but in my head. It's now four and a half years since the last time I led somebody to the Lord face to face. And I'm getting twitchy. That's why I want a response this morning. Because folks, he who wins souls is wise. Remember his name, John Keyes, four and a half years ago. It's the most awesome feeling in all the world when somebody finds the same Jesus that you've found. And I want a response this morning. It might not be that response, but I'm wanting a response from us today. Because he who wins souls is wise. But it's a proverb. And if you know the proverbs, you'll know that the proverbs usually start with a, a, a proposition and ends up with, with a response to it. So it's a cause or an effect. So what's the first part of the verse? Because it is, in fact, if you wanted to turn to it, it's in Proverbs 11, verse 30, and it says this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. So it starts off with the proposition the fruit of the righteous. Question for you this morning. First response I want from you. Are you righteous? Now, don't answer too quickly on that one. If I was stood outside, and, and, and it might be an interesting thing, if we stood out on each street corner as we were going home and we waited for somebody to pass, and as they passed, we said to them, Are you righteous? I wonder what they would think. Are you righteous? So before I ask you, are you righteous? I'm thinking of what they would respond. And shall I tell you, I am absolutely sure in my own spirit that most people out there, if you ask them that question, would, would, would respond like this. Um, um, well, I'm as good as the next man. Um, 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 I'm no worse than my next door neighbour. You don't have to tell the world that they're not righteous. In fact, some of them might be saying, yippee, I'm not righteous. I can, I can party all night. They have no 
no hope in a sense that they are righteous. But I want to ask you a question, and, I, and, and, and you can be wrong this morning. Be, 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 be kind of, take your, 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 everything in you and, 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 and respond. Is there anybody righteous here this morning? You've all gone quiet on me. Is there anybody righteous? Well, I'll tell you what the Bible says and I'll come back to it. I'm going to get a response out of you this morning, wherever I do. The Bible says, no, not one. You've all sinned. You've all fallen short of the glory of God. So I ask again this morning, anybody righteous here this morning? No, but maybe yes. If we're righteous this morning, in whose righteousness do we stand? Jesus. Come on, get, get your courage up. Jesus. Absolutely. I stand this morning not because of my righteousness, because my righteousness is as filthy rags. But this morning I stand in the righteousness that has been given to me from above. Can I read the scripture to you, if I can find where I am in my notes? Isaiah 64 verse 6 says this. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. But a better scripture. Because I'm not that thrilled about scriptures that tell me about my sin. I want to I get on to the next verse. There's always a better verse coming. Yeah. Romans 4 verse 22. I, th this one has really got into my spirit this week and it's a, it's a cracker of a, of a scripture. Romans 4 verse 22. Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who has raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Is there anybody righteous here this morning? Yes. Yes. You and I are counted as righteous because of him, not because of us. Now, isn't that an incredible starting point? So it says in there, the fruit of the righteous is what? A tree of life. When we come in Christ and accept our salvation and are called the righteous of God we have again access to the tree of life. There was a day when Adam and Eve were thrown out of the Garden of Eden for eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, God had to put a guard on the gate to the walled Garden of Eden. So they couldn't get to the tree of life. And for all of our lives, until we come in righteousness that has been imparted to us by God. We are cut off from the tree of life. But this morning, this morning, 
I have the tree of life, not only available to me, but with me. I can feast upon life itself today because he has made me whole again. So, let's read the scripture again. Let me go back. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Because out of all of this, this morning, we have access to life itself. If I was standing on that street corner this morning saying to people, are you righteous? And gain their response that no, they're not. I'd be wanting to tell them about the fact that they too can have this great gift today. But you know, all of this this morning has been a bit of a pretense on my part because I really want to talk to you about the gift. But before I do, there's just one other line in there that I wanted to look at. And it says, he who wins souls is wise. We have in our culture a, a, a misunderstanding about winning. Um, I quite like rugby. But when you win at rugby, you've just knocked about half the other team out in, in, the, in the goal that's set before you. And, and, and I, I sometimes think that I've, I've seen plenty of evangelists over the years who are really going for the, for the win. And uh, whoever gets knocked out in the process, fine, but I'm going for a win. But you know, that's, that's not the way that I'm, I'm thinking of winning this morning. There's a good old English word. We don't use it very much nowadays, but it's winsomeness. Comes from the same root to win. Shall I give you the definition of what it means? Let's see if I can find it. The dictionary says that winsomeness means generally pleasing and engaging, often because of a childlike charm and innocence. Am I winsome this morning? I've got a childlike charm and innocence about me. Well, that's how you win. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I've got two little stories to tell you before I finish this morning. But the first one, true story. When I was, well, it was 1962. So when I was, what, 10. My parents moved from South Yorkshire and they, my dad became the pastor of a, a little church in a mining village up in the South Durham coalfield. It was just a few miles outside of Hartlepool. So we, mum and dad bought a house on a brand new housing estate, a 1960s housing estate on the outskirts of Hartlepool. Um, the estate had no amenities whatsoever, no shops, no schools, no pub, no church. Anything else that I've missed out of, it didn't have it. In fact, they built it. It was a place called Heart Station. And Mr. Beecham came along and shut the station. So the very reason for the village was, had gone. And that's where we moved. Nothing. But right next to the station, there was an old wooden hut. It was the WI hut, the Women's Institute. And it was falling down. 
but it was the only place we had. So mum and dad decided to start a Sunday school. So we, we drove around the estate with our car, with a loudspeaker blaring, inviting everybody to come. Well, there was nothing else to do on a Sunday. So, so guess what? People came. And the first Sunday, we had in a building that really should have only seated 60, we had over 100 people turned up. 100 people, mostly kids, few adults who'd come along with their kids. But in and amongst, there was two dogs. Interesting starting point. We filled up the auditorium, all the chairs that we had, all full. We then started filling up the platform. So there was 20 people on the platform. And in the middle, two dogs. And we had a fabulous start to this thing. And I was on the door right at the back. And suddenly I looked across the, the auditorium and on the platform stood at the back was this young lady called Christine Scott. And I fell in love. True story. And, uh, and my, our, my eyes fixed on her. She t took no notice of me. <laughs> and then the two dogs started fighting, so I had to kind of forget about everything else and, and get sorted. The story of my ministry. Getting dogs out of... Anyway, we won't go any further on that one. It took... That point I was 13 when I first met Chris. And it took from that moment until we were 20. Because she didn't see me at all. We were friends. We were good friends. But as far as she was concerned, that was it. In fact, we moved from Horden, the little church, down to York. And so our family moved away. So I thought, what's going to happen now? In fact, I got really worried. Some of you older ones who have been around this church a long time, I at one point thought I might even lose her to a guy called Clyde Sandry. Because <laughs> there was nothing. Till one day she was, she was visiting because all the girls used to come down to visit mum and dad. I was there, but they were visiting mum and dad. And I can remember I had to take some people, some little old ladies home one Sunday night while the girls were there and I had to drop them off at their homes. And I, I, I got up the courage to say to Chris... Um, would you like to come and drive with me? And so we took the two little old ladies home and on the way back in the awkward silence, she asked me out. <laughs> yes. All my winsomeness. <laughs> I'd been trying like crazy. But yes. He who wins. Everything that I do, everything I say, everything that I, 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 I try in, 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 our, in our walk in this life is to win some for Jesus. 
And it's not hitting somebody over the head with a baseball bat. It might be just being gentle and kind. In fact, I, I, I told myself off the other night, one of the things I'm good at is making Yorkshire parking. Do you know what it is? I mean, you know. Anyway, and I suddenly realised my next door neighbour loves my Yorkshire parking. And I suddenly realised he was having a bonfire party and I hadn't given him a loaf of Yorkshire parking. I thought it would have been just the right. I'd try everything to win some for Jesus. Now's my excuse that I'm going to actually preach a bit of gospel right now. I'm going to tell you one more story. Don't worry, I'm not going to be long. I think I've done quite good. I've preached it three times already this morning in my head, and I've got to the point where, where I've got it fairly within time. I'll try my hardest. There was. Now, this is a story that is, I'm making it up as I go along, but... It's based on fact. There was, let's say, a, a, a little lady who was the postmaster in a village. Let's say it's in East Yorkshire, because you all know the villagers. And in the middle of the village, there was a post office. And this lady had been the post office for years. Everybody knew her. Everybody loved her. Everybody thought she, she was awesome and they admired her. And they wanted her, she was coming up to retirement, to do something to show her how much they loved her. And one person said, I know what. Let's ask the deputy lieutenant if he would put her name forward to be, to be able to go to a garden party with the Queen. You know the Queen has garden parties at Buckingham Palace? Let's see if we can get her invited. So they, they sent the request up the line. And a little while later, this little lady, we'll have to give her a name. Let's call her Betty Smith. Um, she got a letter in the post. It looked all official. You, you might not be able to see it from there. But it says here, E.R. the second. Buckingham Palace. Did you know that Buckingham Palace was SW1A1AA? And it says here, the Lord Chamberlain, Buckingham Palace. Lord Chamberlain. In case you missed it, it says it twice. Lord Chamberlain. And on it was her name and her address, East Yorkshire. And she looked at it and she thought, oh. She wondered whether she was in trouble as the postmistress. But she opened it and she pulled out a card. And it said on the card, all official looking, ER, the second. And these are the words. The Lord Chamberlain is commanded by Her Majesty to invite Betty Smith to a garden party at Buckingham Palace on Tuesday the 15th of July 2008 from 4 till 6 p.m. Then on the bottom, in tiny little writing, it says this. This card does not admit RSVP. Do you know what that means? Respond. You say, you know the words. Well, I do, because this actually is my invite. Because Chris and I were invited 
to Buckingham Palace on the 15th of July 2008. I'll never forget the invite. I, it, it turned out it was the mayor of Richmond who, who put our names forward and we, we were thrilled at the idea. Chris was, I think, even more thrilled than I was because she bought a new dress and she, she, she had to wear a hat and, and uh, she, it was, is it a big hat? Is it a small hat? Is it, in the end, it was a... Now, I have to say the word, but I know little about this, a fascinator. <laughs> and we went down just as Betty Smith. Betty couldn't, couldn't stop telling everybody that she'd been invited. She told everybody she saw and, and, and asked their advice. What shall I wear? What shall we do? Where, 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 where shall I stay? Well, if she was like us, we got the train down, we stopped at a travel lodge and we got the tube the following day to the palace, to the back gate of the palace because that's how you went in. You could come out the front, but you had to go in at the back. And, and Betty was just the same. She turned up at the gate. Yeah, you know, the, the trip on the tube was interesting, because all the tourists and everybody else are all kind of doing the touristy things, and the workers are doing their worker-type things, and there are people stood down the carriage who are in their best suits and their fancy dresses and their fascinators, looking at each other, and everybody catches each other's eyes and has a kind of, I know where you're going. Yes, we're going the same place too. And on the train, on the tube, you go and you get off and you go to the gate and there's a couple of burly policemen at the gate and Betty went up to the door with her invite in her hand and said her name and one person looks at your, your identity papers and things and the other one looks up and down the list and they looked up and down the list for Betty's name and guess what Betty's name wasn't on the list but she said but I've got my invite and the policeman looked up and down and he said but you're not on the list of those who responded he said D did you notice the little words on the bottom this card does not admit RSVP. RSVP. Respond. So poor old Betty didn't get in. I am so glad that when we got there, we had responded and we had our pass. We had our ticket to get in and Chris and I went in and Chris was more bothered about the gardens than she was about the palace. And it was a fun day and we had our cucumber sandwiches with the edges cut off and all of that stuff. What an awesome privilege to go to the palace to meet the Queen. But you know, I, I, I've got to get this quickly to a conclusion. But the response that we re need to, re to do this morning... My dad was in his 40s. He'd been brought up in a Methodist church. He'd gone away to war. He'd come back again. And he'd become the president of that Methodist church. But do you know something? One day in a, in a business meeting in that church, they had a row. And he said this in his head. If they're Christians, I don't want to be one. And God instantly said back to him, I'm glad you've caught on. You're not. And dad walked out of that meeting and as he walked down the road, 
he suddenly understood that he'd always known that salvation was for sinners, but he'd never worked out that it meant him. And by the time he got down the road, he was converted. The same church, maybe a year or two later, I, as a six-year-old, heard a Methodist minister preach on a Sunday morning the gospel. He'd broken all the rules because you didn't preach the gospel on a Sunday morning, you preached the gospel on a Sunday night. And that Sunday morning, he stood and did what I'm doing now. He held out his arms and said, Jesus died upon a cross that we can go to heaven. And I knew that morning that I needed to respond. And I did. Now it was in a car again. My life and cars and decisions in cars go along with it. I, that Sunday morning, went with my, mom, my dad in the car to take the preacher home. And when we'd finished, I can remember saying to him in the car, what do I need to do, Dad? What do I need to do? And I knelt. It was a big Austin shooting brick, enormous car, big American style. And I knelt in the well in the front. Not the days when you had seatbelts, so I got away with it. And I gave my heart to Jesus in the stairwell, in the, in, in the car. And I gave my heart to Jesus. I responded. And I want a response this morning. You say, well, there's nobody here. You, you, you're fishing in a pond where, that's, that's full of fish, but we've all been caught. Who says? And anyway, this morning it says, he who wins souls is wise. And if you get even the, the, the idea of going out this today and, and for the rest of our lives start winning some souls for Jesus. I, four and a half years is a long time for me not to have, 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 have had the joy of catching a fish and winning someone for Jesus. Jesus. 